Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, this is Inner Journey, and I'm your host, Greg Friedman. Sex, relationships, dream interpretation, personal growth. We talk about it all. We don't tell you what to do. We don't tell you how to do it. This show is about your power, your path. The monsters aren't under the bed. The monsters are in your head. Do you have the courage to be happy? Then come with us on an inner journey.
Welcome back. You are listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman on KX93.5 FM, community-supported radio in Laguna Beach, California. That was our guest this evening. Later this evening, we are here with really one of the foremost, if not the foremost, Kirtan performers possibly in the world, Jai Utal. Just a phenomenal human being, really terrific, kind soul, and a giving, loving person. And really, most importantly to him, a great dad. In case you did not know this, Tuesday is Valentine's Day. That brings up so much stuff for so many people. Those that have partners have all these kind of things going on. Those that don't have all these kind of things going on. But I'll tell you this. One of my favorite quotes by Martin Luther King Jr. is, I've decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. And that's all it's about, really. At the end of the day, It's just about love. However, that's not what relationships are just about. There's a saying that I love, and it's really so true of me. Lead with your heart, but don't forget to bring your head along. Me, I lead with my heart, and my head is like 42 miles back in the dust somewhere. And then by the time I figure out that and circle around and get my head back into the game, I am so messed with by me, not by anybody else. There ain't nobody doing this to me but me. I was fortunate enough to be having a conversation with Don Miguel Ruiz about this, and he and I were exploring love and relationships. For me, it's just this. Love is unconditional love is so easy if you're not afraid the thing is a relationship is about love and it's about partnership love is unconditional partnerships aren't you have to bring something that's complementary that's uplifting that really enhances the environment in order to be a partner you have to be that person. You don't need to bring the same per- thing that the, your partner is bringing to the table because who needs redundancy? But you do need to bring yourself and you need to check in. And it's okay to check in because you don't have to like everything that your partner is bringing. You just have to realize that your partner is or equally importantly, is not bringing something that's complementary, that's nourishing, that's uplifting to you, to your life, to your soul, to your being, to your environment. If you can recognize that this is a partnership and are we harmonious in that? Did I cast well? Did I choose well? Did And then did I communicate well about my role, their role? Did they communicate well with me? That's how you create a good partnership, solid communication, first with self and then with another. And if you're choosing 
a partner that doesn't work for you, you're also choosing to be a partner that doesn't work for you. And that's really important to understand that at the end of the day, this comes down to the responsibility to choose appropriately for you. Do you have the courage to choose appropriately? Or are you going to choose that other thing that's lesser because it's less scary, that is more screwed up because at least that way I don't feel so screwed up? Or are you going to feel somebody, choose somebody to walk beside you, to hold your hand, to be there if you need lifting up, and be there for them if they need lifting up? Because really another Martin Luther King Jr. quote that I love is that hatred paralyzes life. Love releases it. Hatred confuses life. Love harmonizes it. Hatred darkens life and love illuminates. And we'll be back with more Inner Journey with Greg Friedman right after this short break.
Welcome back. You are listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman on KX93.5 FM, community-supported radio in Laguna Beach, California. You hear me say it every week, community-supported radio. That means that every single person here gets to rock out with their hearts out because you support us. We love it. We appreciate it. Thank you, and please keep it up. All right. We are to that segment of our show. We, we have our lovely producer, Emma Harris. Welcome, Emma. Hello, hello. And we have questions from you guys, our listeners. And thank you guys very much. I got to tell you, I am always impressed with the insight and the interest that y'all show. So thank you for that. All right. Who's up first, Emma? Joshua from Maui. I've been in a wonderful relationship for three years. Our sex is wonderful. Our life is wonderful. But I'm still looking for more intimacy in my relationship. What techniques can you recommend to build intimacy? This is, again, it's like it's so funny because I hear some of these emails and I'm going, oh, my God, Joshua, just call me. I have so many more questions to be able to answer you so specifically. But instead, I'm going to start a little bit general. So if you're searching for intimacy in your relationship, the first thing you need to do is discover that intimacy with yourself. You have to go in and find that kind of connection to you. Then you'll be able to articulate much, much more clearly what it is that you're looking for. Now, articulating it to yourself is huge. But more importantly, then you get to take responsibility for creating that intimacy. You're the one who wants it. This is your story you're writing, so it's your responsibility to do what you got to do to create intimate moments, intimate connections. And if y'all are living in Maui and you're having fantastic sex with a wonderful woman, I don't know how you could have fantastic sex without intimacy. So either there's a little bit of a not enough in you or that it's not as fantastic as you're saying. And because you ain't calling in, I can't tell you which one it is. All right, who's up next? All right, we have Rachel from Valencia. I'm a married woman who owns her own business, and my husband is complaining that he feels I am too guy-like when I get home. Can you recommend anything to help me be more wifely when I get home from being the boss all day long? Well... First of all, Rachel, how do you feel about you? Do you feel like you're in hyper-masculine mode when you get home? Do you feel like, no, I'm just fine? Because the bottom line is, if you're good with how you are, then you're good with how you are, and you guys have to actually work that out between the two of you. But even if you're good with how you are and you're willing to be flexible, the question is, what works for you what is it that i what hat do i want to put on when i walk in the house instead of when i walk out of the house what is it that i want to embody for myself first and foremost because there is no woman on this planet that's going to feel feminine and soft and sensual and strong and powerful without doing it for themselves first and foremost and therefore If you trust you enough to be soft, you trust 
how incredibly powerful you actually are. Next. (laughs) It's Valentine's Day this week, and I don't have a Valentine. Instead of being sad about it, I'd like to celebrate it. Can you suggest any self-centered ideas to do for (laughs) singles like myself? This is Curtis from Chicago. Curtis? We got a guy asking this? I'm very impressed, Curtis. All right. The answer is heck yes. It's I don't care what it is, but fall in love with yourself. Romance yourself. And, you know, if that means, I don't know, if that means going to the gym, if that means going fishing, if that means putting up your feet and popping open a beer or a glass of wine, groovy. If it means doing nothing, that's lovely too. If it means just being quiet, great. I don't care how it is because everybody's going to romance in a different way. Everybody is going to fall in love with themselves in a different way. And all I'm saying to you is this day, more than all the hallmark high-pressure BS that we get thrown, this day is actually about us falling in love with ourselves and then being fortunate enough to share it with those people that we're most intimate with, ourselves, our friends, our families, our lovers, our relationships of all kinds, our children, our parents, everybody. Nicely done. That was very impressive. A dude from Chicago. Right. (laughs) All right. We have May from Florida. I was raised a Christian and was taught unconditional love. But to me, that means loving someone and being around them, even if they're hurtful to you. Can you explain how to unconditionally love someone without letting them walk all over you? Yeah, I'll be happy to do that right after you do, Emma. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, at this point in my life, also being raised a Christian, I've come to understand unconditional love as being unconditional love to yourself. So stepping out of the place of being conditionally in a relationship, having it be about if you're perfect, if you're a certain way, if you're a certain something, that's the only way that you can love yourself, only if you're with that person. And the truth for me is that if my love for myself is unconditional, I can have healthier boundaries with the person with me who can love me in the way that I deem appropriate. I am so impressed with you. Now, you guys don't know this, but I am so impressed with Emma because not only did she just express what she did so gorgeously, but more importantly, this is a woman who in the not too distant past would fight tooth and nail to say, no, I made a commitment and no matter what is going on, I'm going to keep that commitment. I don't care how abusive it is. I don't care how horrible it is. I said I'm committing, so I'm committing. Truth. Okay. Truth. So the fact that you were able to come here and express that so eloquently, and especially on the drop of a dime on the spot, mm-hmm. very impressive, lady. Thank you. Thank Who's you. up? Give me one more, and then we'll take a short break. All right. So this is from Ben in San Jose. All my friends disappear when they get boyfriends and girlfriends, and I don't really see them until the two have broken up. Can you explain how love can be healthy if it makes you into a codependent person? (laughs) Generally speaking, let's say, Ben, you got a new job or something else was new in your life. It's going to take up a little bit more time, a little bit more energy, 
than it will once you've settled into the job and once you've settled into the relationship. Well, same thing here with your friends. Give them a little bit of time. They're going to delve in. And if they're strong enough to be individuals within that dynamic, then they're gonna, it's going to find its own balance. If it doesn't, then it's time for you to start looking in the mirror and saying, why am I choosing these people that need to be codependent that will not walk on their own? As I said, in the beginning, it's normal. It's natural that a little bit of extra or even a lot of extra time and energy is going to go to that relationship but it always finds its level. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more Inner Journey with Greg Friedman and our producer, Emma Harris, right after this. Now spring is turning 
back. You are listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman on KX93.5 FM, community-supported radio in Laguna Beach, California. And that was Iron Butterfly. If any of you are old enough or if you're old enough and actually can still remember, they were their big, big hit was Inagata de Vida, which did something that was absolutely unheard of then and still I don't think has ever been duplicated. That one song was an entire album side. And these guys are going to be here for a KX presentation this Saturday, February 18th at 7.30 p.m. at the Laguna Beach Playhouse. Let me tell y'all, these guys used to play huge stadiums, huge auditoriums. The Laguna Playhouse is intimate, and you're going to be able to see every single thing and hear every single thing. It's going to be a show that is so worth going to. Cannot encourage you enough. And we are back with our producer, Emma Harris. Welcome back, Emma. Oh, thank you. And we have a few more email questions, correct? Correct. This is Jessica in Florida. I'm finding that porn is messing with my sex life. I would like my boyfriend to stop watching it because the way girls look and how they're treated in porn is showing up in my sex life. How can I tell my boyfriend I don't like that he the way that he is having sex with me and that I think it's from watching porn? I don't want to make him feel extremely insecure. <laughs> Jessica, call! <laughs> I may have never said this before, but call. It's so much easier with this stuff. Okay, so first of all, my suggestion to you is in in the beginning, don't even mess with the whole porn conversation because ultimately that's not really what's important to you. What's important to you, if I'm hearing you correctly, is your intimacy your sexual life, your sensual life, your connection to your significant other. And that can easily, easily may be an exaggeration, that can, with willing partners, shift in a way that is much more gratifying to both people involved. And it's normally the responsibility of the person who recognizes an issue for themselves to do something about it. There are ways that you can control the situation. There's ways that you can manipulate the situation. Everybody hates that word manipulate. But let me tell you, it's okay. It is subtle and sly and feline, and it's lovely. And with that, you could set up boundaries, you could set up limits, and you could set up an environment that's conducive for you to have that kind of sexuality, that kind of sensuality in your life that's more gentle and, more importantly, mutually respectful. And it's going to be a process. And if you would call in, I'll tell you all kinds of things that you can do, including just going slowly. Other things like tonight, We're going to do everything and everything without any kind of, I have to make this as PG as possible, penetration at all. 
just touching and looking and stroking. And we're going to do it all gently. And it's just a game for the night. And it's only for the night. And no matter what, no matter how badly either of you want more, your job, his job, together is to say yes to every other thing. We're going to take another short break, and we'll be back with a few more of your questions.
guiding you on an adventure of spiritual and personal growth, helping you realize and make real the life of your choosing. Welcome back. You are listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman on KX93.5 FM, community-supported radio in Laguna Beach, California. What we're doing tonight is we're knocking out some of your email questions early on, and very soon Jai Utal is going to be joining us, and we've been playing his music throughout the evening. We're going to play some more of it later. He is, in my estimation, really the premier Kirtan performer around. Uh, Just a phenomenal human and a really sweet, giving, loving artist. And we are here with our producer, Emma Harris. Hello. And we have a few more questions. We can try to knock some of these suckers out, correct? Correct. Who's up first? All right, we have Derek from Ohio. And Derek would like to know why Valentine's Day is called a Hallmark holiday. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I'll just tell you how I feel about it, Derek. Let's say that. I am romantic year-round. The last thing that I need is some commercial-driven, financial-driven, made-up holiday to tell me when to be romantic. And if you ain't romantic year-round, then you got to look at that for yourself. But the last thing I need is Hallmark to be saying, hey, here's a way for us to make a whole lot of money and pressure everybody into being really romantic on this one day and going out and jamming the restaurants and eating in a place where the service is rushed, the food isn't good, the place is overbooked, and the experience is all just a bunch of people trying too hard instead of being, being themselves and being themselves, loving themselves and their partners. Yeah. So I actually have a different opinion. How odd. I know, right? A woman has a different opinion than a man. That (laughs) never happened. So while I completely agree with the idea that it is a made-up holiday, because in all honesty it is, I will also say that we as a society really do have to practice love more often. And I think any day that is going to allow us to celebrate something as beautiful as love, even if it means spending a butt ton of money on your significant other. I do. I think it's wonderful. I do. Yeah. Okay. So you don't think that this is a great conversation, by the way, because I'm just being devil's advocate here. I love what you said. And I am of two minds. And one of my minds goes to that. And the other one says, yes, absolutely. Any kind of call for love is a lovely thing. I agree. However, there's another aspect of this holiday that most people don't acknowledge. 99.9999% is the man giving and the woman receiving. This is not about an exchange of love. This is about a demonstration Mm -hmm. or a proving of love. I agree. And if it was more reciprocal, I'd probably be more towards your camp a little bit. And I'm not too far off from it now. Right, right, right. I think that there's a lot of pressure on men to show up on that particular day. I will also say you don't have to go that far 
we can also practice love in a really simple way. You are so lovely and sweet, and you do not represent the majority. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question. Okay. So this is Joseph from Nebraska. Ooh. Oof. <laughs> Joseph, I am pissed off at my girlfriend, and Tuesday is Valentine's Day. <laughs> She's expecting something, and I have no desire to do anything. What should I do? Well, first thing is I would do my darndest to resolve whatever issue because that's dramatically more important than Tuesday coming and going. So first and foremost, I would find some way to be at peace in with yourself in the relationship for your own sake. you know. And then way down the line, you decide what's going on, and it depends on what happened that made you so angry. Some things are just so egregious that you have to actually be questioning whether you want to be in this relationship. But if you decide that you want to be in this relationship, you've got to decide to go beyond a momentary feeling and address the big picture and act accordingly, whatever that means to you. And we'll be back with more Inner Journey with Greg Friedman and Jai Utah in a little bit. I am a modern version of those that have existed in every culture. I am a guide. I take a small group of strangers on a journey of spiritual and personal growth with indigenous cultures in exotic places, only to introduce them to themselves. It can be terrifying to look at our fears, and sometimes even more so to look at our strengths. I take you out into the wild, into the unknown, for an inner journey. Welcome back. You are listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman on KX 93.5 FM community supported radio in Laguna Beach. Our guest tonight is just, I got to tell you, I dig this person. He was on the show before. We had a blast. So we're having him back on. He has a new CD out. His name is Jai Utal. Jai is a good old New York boy and Grammy nominated in world music and has performed pretty much everything from reggae to punk to Motown to blues. But when he came back from India, there was something that shifted. And he, we're going to let him talk a lot more about that. And his music just really is this amazingly seamless blend between this spiritual, ethereal, world and takes it and mixes it with rock and reggae and all kinds of things and just makes it oh so good hey jai welcome back to inner journey hey hey greg thank you so much for having me back of course a pleasure man uh i'm going to start with the same question that i ask everybody the first time out of the gate even though you're coming back for the second time I want to hear your story, and I know there's a lot of people out there that had, didn't hear it before that would like to hear it. And that's, we've had a bunch of healers on, we've had medicine men, we've had shaman, we've had authors and artists, people of service of pretty much every kind of walk and path. And to a person, there was an event 
like that, for example, or a series of events that really thrust them on their path. Is that true of you as well? I, I guess it, I have to say a series of events. Um, but, you know, you know, Greg, when I was very young, I, 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 in some ways I feel like the same person I was now that I'm 65, the same person I was when I was like 12. Um, <laughs> of course, you know, <laughs> of course different, yes. But, you know, when I was a young teenager, I started getting feelings and, and um kind of like this dreams almost of, of India. And I saw some posters, I remember, in a travel company mm-hmm. of some uh, itinerant wandering people in the, in the Himalayas. And I just like, I said, I have to go there. And um, I got chills just thinking about it. Now, it took a little while. Of course, I didn't go till I was 19. But, but I was drawn for some reason to everything from, from the Indian... Uh, Indian world, I guess you could say, from the ancient Indian word, world. I started studying Indian classical music, I guess I was 17 or something, and <laughs> studied for a little while and then, and then knew I had to go. And this was, you know, this was quite a while ago. This was 1969, I think. That's why I laughed, um, is because just the thought of somebody in that time going, hey, I'm a 17-year-old, why don't I study classical Indian music, is so far out. Even today it's fairly far out, but back then it was... Man, well done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I look I look back in my life and it seems like you know, the past has been completely predestined. All the all the stumbles and all the errors and all the wrong turns I, I take full responsibility for. But <laughs> the path itself, the journey of my life seems like it was clear from the very, very beginning, which is odd. Um, you know, I, I went very briefly to college in Portland, Oregon. I went to Reed College. And on the night before my first class, you know, I never hadn't even had a class, uh, Ali Akbar Khan, who was really considered to be the master of Indian classical music, and he died, I guess, around five years ago, gave a concert. And this was before I went to India. That concert changed my life. And I lasted in college for three months. I failed religion, and I failed music, um, and dropped out, <laughs> and came down to the... I just, well, no, 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 wait, I gotta jump in here. You failed music. I love that. So any of y'all listening out there, this man is a musical genius. Don't get caught up in the circumstances. If you have a calling, if you have a passion, listen to your gut, follow that. It is so important. Sorry, go on, please. Uh, no, but if you say, as you say that, I, I feel like that's the most important thing in life. Of course, we know that, that it's, it's not. It's easier said than done on many levels. First of all, it's easier said than done just to hear clearly that voice. And and how often I find that voice is veiled and muffled. And where is it? And what is it? And yet, um, the direction seems to to is always clear. There's still always light on on what the next step is supposed to be. Anyway, um, you know. So so Ali Khan was such an influence in my life. But after studying there for two years, now I would say that I picked up my studies a lot, a lot, a lot several years later. But after studying there for two years, that was when when I I had this incredible restlessness and I had to go. I had to leave the country and I had to go to India. It wasn't 
so completely uncommon then. You know, the Beatles had just come back from India, and and well, I guess half of the hippies were were on motorcycles and all that and stuff, and the other half were flower children with their heads completely in Saturn. <laughs> and and I was I was more that kind. I, I was barely on Earth, I think. <laughs> so for me, going to India at that time. It, it was not that much of a stretch of the imagination. Uh, at least that's what I thought. So you're just saying and, that basically in that era you had a choice to become a Hell's Angel or go to India? Well, that is very much of an oversimplification. <laughs> 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 but, but you know what I mean. There was the, the Beatles people and the Stones people, right? Uh-huh. I, I got you. Trust me. I'm just messing. Yeah. <laughs> and I was completely a Beatles person. In fact, you know, I just got just got back from India two weeks ago, um, and we were in Rishikesh up in the Himalayas, at, uh, recording a music video and having just the most amazing adventures, my family and I. And uh, we went to <coughs> what's called the Beatles Ashram. I'd never been there before. It was where the Beatles were there with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi in '67, I guess, something like that. And the place. Kind of completely is run, run down and has just fallen apart, and yet it, you could tell that it was once this palatial yoga ashram. And for so many years, fifty years or whatever, hippies have gone through there and painted the walls, you know, graffiti, the most beautiful, coolest graffiti. So we had a really good time going into the room where where John Lennon wrote Julia or and Dear Prudence, and you know, just going to these. Beatles. It was like usually in India you go around to, you know, the holy places, the places where saints lived or where hey, you know gods what? existed. Temples take on right. all kinds of different forms. Yeah, exactly. So this was the Beatles temple, and it was so much fun. But anyway, <laughs> back to then. You know, I, I went to India to see a specific guru. Um, I was part of a yoga organization, and. Um, you know, was very dedicated to what I considered the, the path to enlightenment. And, you know, I, I, I must say that these days I don't even use that word, enlightenment, because, you know, it's really a hard job getting through a day from morning to night with an open heart and a clear mind. So, like, the subject of enlightenment just doesn't come up. <laughs> but, wait, but, wait, wait, wait. Did but, you just uh, say I'm too busy living to have to worry about enlightenment right now? Well, I didn't. I didn't really say that because I, I, that's that's not what I would say. But I would say I, my, you know, I am so consciously wanting to to live each day from my heart, and um, you know, to serve from my heart, to be present with the people around me, my beloveds, with my heart and with my, you know, with my mind clear. And I, so I wasn't saying I'm too busy. I'm saying that my challenge is. I feel are um, the smaller, I guess. You know, it's like the moment to moment live in love. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? And 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 it's so filled with with challenges. And so I don't think about the the big picture of you know, am I going to achieve enlightenment? What is enlightenment? I don't even know. You know, I know what I've read in books, but uh, the the more grounded live in love that is that is my my path how to do that so anyway but as a 17 year old kid i didn't think about that at all i was just looking at the the grand 
uh, I'm going to get there and then I'm going to be something really special. <laughs> anyway, so I got to India and found that the guru that I was going to see was in jail. Of and, course. And, and it was a big, that was a big story and a big drama. And I will spare you and our listeners. Um, that's the whole thing. But I, I wound up a week later with a man named Neem Karoli Baba, who I had known of through books by Ramdas. Mm-hmm. particularly Ramdas's first book, which was called Be Here Now. So I had read about this this guru, but I wasn't really keen on getting a guru at that point. I was like, you know, I had been there and done that. I was I was kind of past that. At I 19, thought, you know? I just love, at 19, you had been there and done that. Well done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, anyway, to make a very long story short, I found out that, no, I hadn't been there. And I hadn't done that. Uh-huh. And, and this man, this being, became like the the axis around which all the planets of my inner being um, orbited. So <clears throat> I got back from India, and you know, there I was suddenly a, a young man in, in the world. With, with I didn't know what to do. I had no marketable skills, and so um, our guru used to say, "Love people and feed them." In fact, Ramdas once asked him, mm-hmm. asked him, how do I raise my kundalini? And Maharaji, which is the name we call Neem Koli Baba, excuse <coughs> me, said, love people and feed them. And, and he looked at Ramdas like, why would you be concerned with kundalini when you can love people and feed them? So Seems I get pretty back simple and was, to me. It's simple, and yet we seem to create a lot of uh, difficulties around it. Uh-huh. But there I was, I was in Berkeley in California, and uh, I had no idea what to do with myself. I didn't have any money, and I was, you know, I was crashing at someone's house. Of course, it was the time when couches were, were readily available. But <laughs> They still are. <laughs> they haven't gone away. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. Uh, but, but I wouldn't want to be a couch surfer right now in 2017 at 65 years old. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I can kind of understand that, oddly enough. So I got a phone call from my friend, my best friend, who I've gone to India with. And he said, listen, my friend, he's talking about a guy he know, knew, wants to donate money to give, give away food, to give food to, uh, to poor people in downtown Oakland, in, in Berkeley, wherever, wherever you want to do it. Mm-hmm. So he gave us a bunch of money uh, each week. Which included a salary, a small salary, as well as money to go to the farmers' market and get boxes and boxes and boxes of fruits and vegetables and bring them down to downtown Oakland, or sometimes to to Berkeley as well. And and we play our instruments and sing mantras and chant and give away the food. Now, at first, we got a lot of very wary looks, but you know. It didn't last long, that phase. And pretty soon, everyone was so happy to see us. Some of us, some people would sing and dance with us a little bit. But more often than not, they would just come and, and smile and, and be happy and take some food, some, some vegetables and food. And, you know, it was such an amazing re-entry to Western world and, and to, to feel the Guru's guidance so, so um, incredibly uh, palpably strong. And anyway, since then, 
um, you, you know, I'm a musician and I study and I teach and I study and I teach and, and, and I sing. It took me a while to really um, accept myself fully as a singer because I had so much self-criticism and, you know, um, just fear. And, but, but still the singing grew and grew. And now it's, I, I feel like it's my main thing, really. And um, my music, although it's gone through many different phases, and I hope that it still goes through many different phases, it's centered on devotion, and it's centered on healing, and it's centered on uh, self-healing and sharing that, that healing spirit with others. For many years, I, I just practiced my music, at, at, you know, for the inner healing that I so desperately needed. And then I started getting letters and calls and things from people saying how much my music helped them on their journey of healing. And I have to tell you, Greg, at first it went straight over my head. I could not even begin to, uh, you know, relate to how that could be possible. But very, very gradually I started letting it in and, and realizing what a beautiful and, and humbling experience it is to know that the practice and process that I go through to make myself to experience my own wholeness also helps other people. Can you whoa, 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 cool. whoa, whoa, wait, wait, that is so important what you just said. And it is because it is so universal and yet it's a surprise to almost all of us when we when we see it. It's that yeah. our pathway, our process, our our pain, our trials, our tribulations, our joys are not unique to us. And in sharing them, in teaching about them, in communicating about them, we help each other lift up. That's what I heard yeah. you say. Is that accurate? That's totally accurate. And, and the more honest that we can be with each other, um, and I should add, the more vulnerable that we can be with each other, the more we allow that honesty and, and vulnerability to... to it spreads like... like um, Mayor Baba said, "Love is contagious," Amen. and I think that's that's really right on. And and you know, I used to be very afraid on stage, for example. Uh, you know, and I'm a recovering drug addict and a re recovering alcoholic. And uh, I'll share that I was so afraid on stage of of letting people see my humanness and my weakness and my fear and my you know, all the parts of me that were cracked and shattered that I, that I used drugs and alcohol to, to like make a separation between me and the audience. And then I would do, do my thing, you know, mm -hmm. but since I got sober and clean and uh, happily substance free uh, many years ago, I found that by just being honest with the audience, they, they People love you so much more if they see your humanness than if they look at you and they think you're like this perfect person. Well, uh, you well know, let me jump in there for one moment, if you don't mind. Okay. Because there's yes, so please. much that you just laid out that I want to – There, oh, that's amazing that I want to put some highlights on. You were talking about being real, being honest with yourself. And yes. I mean, you said being – I'm sorry. You said being real and being honest with other people, but that really does begin – with being able to do that with yourself, to be able to look in the mirror and go, oh, dude, you are so BSing yourself. That's okay. Now yeah. what do you want to do? It's yeah. a huge, huge thing. 
And it's funny that you bring that up because just last night I was talking about this very, very famous hair band guitarist could not go on stage unless he had beta blockers in him. For you guys who don't know, beta blockers basically inhibit some of the natural impulses for emotions. And I'm going to very simplification of it, but that's an easy way. Um, and so a lot of people are just terrified of that honesty, that intimacy with themselves, much less anybody else. And you had the courage to discover your own relationship with yourself in front of thousands of people. Ah, is all I got to say to that. I'll have to say, ah, also. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what was a, I got to share, uh, there was a turning point. Um, well, wait, wait, wait. I, mean, I do want to do okay. that, but we got to take a short break. And I heard this really wonderful rumor that there's a new CD out. It's a double album, a double CD. And yes, it's, it's not a rumor. Well, it's a rumor because it's not <laughs> out yet. It's coming out March 3rd. March 3rd. And it's called Roots, Rock, and Rama. And the song Rock Rama, yeah. And the song that we are about to hear is from that CD, and maybe you could help us set it up a little bit. Rambolo. Rama Bolo. No, no. What's it called? Which one is it called? The, Rama Bolo is not on that CD. Oh, you know what? I have this from your other one. I am sure. I'll tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna play it, and then you'll tell us about it after the fact. How's that? Okay, cool. <laughs> we are here with Jai Utal, and you are listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman. Bolo, 
Listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman on KX 93.5 FM community supported radio in Laguna Beach, California. Tonight we are hanging out with Jai Utal. Jai is just a world renowned Kirtan singer and also one of those things that every kind of interaction that I've ever had with Jai has just reflected the fact that he is an absolutely amazing father as well because. Almost every conversation brings up having to put his bed, his kid to bed at just the right time. And I got to respect that. Hey, Jai, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I'm so glad you played that song. At first I was thinking, no, you got to play something from my new album. But I love that song. And that's my son and his, when, well, it's a while ago. I think they were in um, kindergarten or first grade when the, the little bo- little kids' voices in the background singing so that was that's my son was in that little choir there i told you guys it's like he's not only a phenomenal (laughs) musician it's his life really does revolve around being a father and i think that is just so cool uh there's a couple things we're going to get to the new cd in a little bit and by the way I'm going to be really greedy with Jai. If you want to call in, you're going to get maybe one, maybe another one caller in. I'll let It's 949-715-5936. 949-715-5936. You know, before we went away for break, there were so many things that you touched on. You were talking about enlightenment. You were talking about wrong turns. And then you were talking about kundalini. So... One of the first things you said is, you know, all those wrong turns that I made, do you feel really that those wrong turns were actually wrong turns? Um, That's a great question uh, because, well, on one hand, it's a question, it's an unanswerable question. But 
you know, like, uh, are we making choices or, or is our karma dictating cho- our choices or is God directing every choice we make? And I won't even go into that, but I will say that everything that has happened to me in my life has contributed to making me who I am on this day. And all the, the, the things that I re- referred to before as wrong turns yeah, it's not really accurate to call it that because yes, there was difficult times, um, and um, you know, particularly around addictions, that I, at the time they weren't choices. They, it's what I had to do, and although sometimes I, I feel, wait a second, well, there were all, there were so many years that I wasn't happy. Maybe I could have been happy, but I realize that's absurd thinking because, well, first of all. I do believe in the laws of karma that whatever happened to me happened to me uh, had to happen, mm-hmm. and also, and also, um, you know, I really feel that a certain, well, even as you say, as, as a father, I, I became a father at fifty-four or fifty-three. Now I can't remember, but fifty-four, yeah. And so my son is eleven. Um, having gone through all the difficulty that I went through in my life, I feel has made me. A, a much more compassionate, understanding, and non judgmental person, or just a person with a, a bigger, a, uh, uh, I don't know, just like my heart can hold a lot. And and I'm not saying I'm special. I'm not saying my heart can hold more than the next guy. I don't mean it in that <laughs> way. But but I, I don't know, know. It sounded a lot like bragging, or not at all. Ah, dang. <laughs> um, then, then let me take it all back. Oh, stop. Um, <laughs> But just, you know, the years of, you know, say, quote, unquote, the years of darkness um, made me so much more appreciative of, of every moment of light. And, and, and that's when, when you were asking before or somehow it came up where I was saying that, you know, I don't think now about enlightenment. I think about living each day, you know, when I wake up in the morning from that moment on, trying to stay heart centered and 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 live in wisdom as well, you know, um, that elusive uh, quality. And so, yeah, so so the huge picture of what is enlightenment, what is not, you know, even what is spiritual, what is not, I don't even know about those things. <laughs> but, I, I, but I think that you're right, you know, or that the, the, what you're posing that question is right, that we do, all of us, make choices that in the moment, or in retrospect, it maybe is better to say, feel like, oh, why did I do that? You know, I really messed myself up by doing that. And on one level, it's probably true. But on a deeper level, you know, we we go through what we need to go through to become the people that we need to become. Amen. And, yes. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, that involves working through a lot of self-judgment and, and judgment of others as well, too. And, and you know coming to a certain level of peace with who we are. So I, am so glad that, you know, I still have a lot to learn as we all do, but I'm so glad I went through all those, all that period in my younger years before becoming a father. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, so I can look my son straight in the eye and be just present with him and be, well, you know, so in love, but also present and grounded and, you know, I'm not like the young father who could put my 11-year-old kid on my back and climb 
a mountain. <laughs> I, I can't. But but you know we can be in the heart, light, soul moment together. Right. We and could. I, I couldn't have done. I couldn't have done that thirty years ago. Yeah, and that's why I look at that and I go, no, there really aren't any wrong turns. It's sometimes you have to dive deep into the darkness, into your own shadow, in order to discover that there isn't a bad. It's just a different kind of energy, and now what do I want to do with it? Yeah. Now. Well, you know, there's things that we do that can cause suffering in ourselves and others, and things that we do that can alleviate suffering in ourselves and others. Sometimes those choices aren't that clear, um, and that's how we grow, and that's how we learn. Yup. And I'm going to circle back to your new CD. Okay. Roots Rock Rama. Roots Rock Rama, yeah. So cool. I got to tell you, you. I have been listening to it incessantly since you shipped it over to me. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome, Craig. Thank you. We are going to (laughs) play a song off of this. Hopefully we got this right this time. And this one is called Samba. Can you tell us, or the initials are Samba. Oh, great that you're doing this. This is the song that we went to India. This is the song that we... Ah, how do I say this? Uh, grammar, sometimes it's hard. <laughs> I understand. We went to India for many reasons. And probably the primary reason was to visit with our, our Indian mother, who's a very spiritual elder. She's quite old, and, and we just wanted to spend time with her before she got too old. And so that was like the main thing. The secondary thing was to film a music video for this song. And so I'm, um, we got some amazing footage. We did a concert on the right aside the Ganges River mm. in the Himalayas. And uh, it, was, it was so fun and, and <laughs> uplifting. And, and just like, it was just a beautiful trip. Mm-hmm. So this song came well the the mantra the words of all the songs on this album are ancient sanskrit prayers invoking the deity Uh, and you know each one is is different and has different qualities but the um there's a bit of a play on words here now i I married nubia my wife 16 years ago or she married me or we married each other um and she's brazilian uh, she's a Brazilian yogini, and she has turned me on to so much music, so much, you know, Brazilian music. I didn't have any sense of it before. I was all about either rock and reggae and Indian music. And now, uh, you know, my whole world musically has open, opened up. So there's a bit of a play on words here because Samba Sada Shiva uh, in Sanskrit means something like this. The primordial Shiva, the the true, true form of Lord Shiva, is forever in adoration of his of the goddess of Shakti of his of his goddess. So, um, but then, as we know, samba is also like the national dance of Brazil, mm-hmm. and and we also know that Shiva, one of his other names is Nataraj. He's the, he's the king of dance. When he dances, the world dissolve under his feet just just to be re- reborn immediately in and regenerated in purity and and um sanctity so so the words have a lot of different meaning and then my wife was organizing an event this was i don't know it was quite a few years ago and it was a she's always trying to you know bring together the brazilian 
community around here in the Bay Area, as well as her yoga community. So, so she created a, a Brazilian Indian cultural night that had dance and it had music. And I wanted to compose uh, a melody. You know, I don't compose these mantras, these words, but I wanted to compose a melody that was very Brazilian, but also really supported the repetitive quality of, of the mantra. And anyway, and we invited some Brazilian musicians who I hadn't even met. I didn't know them. And, uh, well, this is what came out of it. <laughs> nice. Jayuta and a little bit of a departure into samba. Samba Sada, 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 Sam
Listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman on KX93.5 FM, community-supported radio in Laguna Beach, California. We are here tonight with Jai Utah, and we are listening to some really, really cool cuts off of his latest CD. It's actually a double CD, and everybody in the studio was dancing along. Thank you for that, Jai. You're welcome. That song features two very good uh, friends of mine who are also magnificent musicians. Uh, the the guy who wrote all the horn charts for the album mm-hmm. are, uh, was actually playing melodica on this song, that kind of accordion sounding thing. Yeah, and and uh, his name is Peter Applebaum, and and we've been friends and playing music together. Oh man, must be about thirty years. He's he's just a brilliant musician, and that the. Other guy that was like really big in the sound of this song is a Brazilian friend named Jose Neto, who is a maybe the best guitar player I've ever known. And you know, when he's not on tour with Steve Winwood or Rod Stewart, he or when he's not in Sao Paulo, Brazil, with his wife, he has a little cottage right near me in Fairfax, California, and and uh, I take lessons with him, and we're just buddies, and you know, very proud that that he was able to be so present on this album as well. Very, very cool. Uh, believe it or not, we are whipping through time here, so I want to get a couple of things in. And I think the okay. most important question to get in, well, two of them. First of all, I know people are going to want to get your music. When is this going to be released, and when can they get it? Where can they get it? Okay, it's going to be released officially on March 3rd, and they'll be able to get it um Amazon, iTunes, all the all the online um, services where you can get music, and you know, and, and if there's any record stores anywhere, somewhere in the world, they'll be able to get them there too. And they'll also be able to get them from my website, which is jayutal.com. Now we are we have created this amazing bundle of, of goodies for people who pre-order, and it includes a T-shirt and a tote bag and. Just a, actually a whole bunch of stuff. And that can be ordered from Jai Utah, my name, dot merch now, that's M E R C H N O W dot com. Now, there's something really important that I want to share. Wait, wait, wait. Before uh, you do that, I just okay. want to let our listeners know that that information will be up and on our Facebook page so we don't have to spell out Jai's name for everybody. But trust me, we're going to lay out all this stuff for you, and it'll be easy to access even with a link. Now, sorry for interrupting, no. but I kind of thought or, that was important. 
It's very important. Um, you know, the the art of recorded music uh, is gradually becoming less and less appreciated as people, um, you know, they get into streaming and free streaming and they're able to hear every song that they ever wanted to hear for free. And that's just kind of an interesting and I don't know. Uh, I say it. I don't love that so much, and most artists don't. But so we we are trying to encourage friends and fans and folks to to buy a hard copy. And one of the things that I'm doing with this CD is that for every CD that is purchased, a, a tree will be planted. And, oh, um, cool! Yeah, and it, I, I'm partnering with a, a organization called OneTreePlanted.org, and they're going to be planted mostly in Colorado. Um, it's not that Colorado is more needy of trees than Zanzibar, <laughs> but but it's a small company, and, and this is where they're able to make these, this pledge. And, um, you know, our world needs so much, and, and it's almost overwhelming. Like, what can I do to help the world? Well, of course, there's a thousand or eight answers to that question. But I thought I would at least try to do something small with this CD, aside from, you know, the spiritual side of it and the musical side of it, just uh, uh, on a down-to-earth, literally down-to-earth roots rock drama, you know, the root section. Um, every CD sold will plant a tree. Now, this won't actually be applicable for downloads or streaming. We might work something out with, with uh, I don't know, like... How many downloads might equal one tree? I have to investigate that. Um, but it can't work for streaming. And, and I really, really, really hope that people take that to heart. Um, just because, well, I also feel, you know, on a completely different level, that there's a, that there's a sound quality and intentional quality in an album that is very different from oh, single downloads. That's not a feeling. You know that to be true. And it really is true. The sound quality that you can get off of a CD is so much more dynamic than what you can get off of downloads every time. Yeah, MP- MP3 downloads, I think, have like 60% of the sound, of the, you know, like 40% of the, of the auditory uh, experience is lost, something like that. I don't actually remember the exact percentage, but it's huge. Yeah. So, and also, you know, when I'm making, creating an album, it's not just a collection of individual songs. It's really, and this is why this album is two albums long, two CDs long. I could have put it all on one CD. It would have fit. So the each CD is slightly shorter than one might expect from a full length CD. But I felt that the, the moods and the way one song flowed into another, into another, into another would create a, a, a jarring experience if it was all packed onto one CD. Yeah. Where on two CDs, the, the, that's why I call CD1 Rama Sun, which is a solar energy. It's a very upbeat energy. And Rama Moon is a more introverted, um, but, you know, it's not like it's totally chilled out because there's still some beats and stuff, but it's definitely a more inner looking, less, um, or maybe I won't say less celebratory, I'll say, less externally celebratory. And yeah, anyway, so I hope people will, will actually buy the album and the artwork is really cool. And Oh know, man, you guys, all that it, stuff. everything that he's talking about is just icing on the cake because it really is an 
amazing, amazing CD, and you really have to get it. Um, we are coming close to that point, and I'm going to do this out of order a little bit. Usually my last okay. question of the evening is, is there anything that you'd feel remiss in not sharing with our listening audience? And I'm going to ask you that now, and then I'm going to ask you a quick question afterwards, and I'm going to apologize to all of our listeners that are on hold right now. We just couldn't squeeze you in. I'm so sorry. We promise that if you have questions for Jai, we will pass them along to him. Fair enough? Groovy. All right, Jai. <laughs> yeah, an hour goes very fast. Now, now, there's two things that I would want to say. And, and the first, so I'll start with the shorter one. Um, I've, uh, I'm starting working with a, an online platform called Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And it's a, it's, it's a system wherein friends and fans become part of my spiritual and musical creative process um, and pledge a certain, you know, something to me every month, like a dollar or something like that. And I share all these very intimate videos, um, songs in progress and stuff like that. And it's a way to begin to offset the, the whole streaming phenomena. Mm -hmm. So I, I would like people to check that out. But I really wanted to say something that I started to say half an hour ago. And it did take a couple of minutes. And it was when I was, you know, just at the beginning of recovery from, from my addictions, I was, I was at a center. And I was thinking, okay, I'm, I'm sober. I'm going to become sober. But I don't, I'm never going to perform again because how can I ever perform sober? <laughs> and they showed this, this uh, video of Robin Williams doing a concert, uh, his stand-up concert, right after he came out of treatment for his cocaine addiction. And, you know, he started out, he was really funny, and, but like about 10 or 15 minutes into his routine, he squatted down at the foot of the stage, at the tip of the stage, almost like in a fetal position, and he said, I am terrified. This is the first time I've ever done this sober. And then he ran off the stage. Now, this might have been spontaneous or it might have been scripted, but either way, it affected me so profoundly to see the cure for fear is, is being honest about it. And he was so real and honest. And I realized, well, I can try that. And then maybe I can perform again. Wait, so, wait, wait. Crazy concept. You're talking about honesty can work for the cure things? That's insane. <laughs> yeah. So I just had to finish that thought. And, and for a long time, even now sometimes, but that's not such an issue now, but occasionally it is. But for a long time, I would just say, hey, I just want to tell you all, I'm very nervous up here, so I need your support. And, and everyone, you know, is so people are so loving when <laughs> they just are. Human beings are quite loving. I... And particularly, yeah, I mean, so, so I just wanted to share that and, and, and sort of like do a, a little homage phenom there to robin williams because he really in that moment uh helped turn my life up right side up that was absolutely beautiful okay jai the song we're about to play is our last song for the evening and it's okay help will you help us ah. <laughs> um 
Okay. Well, sometimes I've introduced this song. I, I, I kept it a secret. I said, the next song we're going to do. Um, and I don't say what it is. And I say, you know, all the mantras that I sing and all the mantras that, you know, our prayers from the Sanskrit prayers seem to uh, melt down into one translation. You know, they all mean one thing. Mm-hmm. And it's when we're just looking at that infinite expanse that we call God and saying, help me. I can't do it on my own. Help me. And and so it, it takes this, you know, mantra and mixes it with a beetle. And for me, that was just like, you know, I, I wrote it just sort of as a goof, right? And then performed it at a big, big festival. And I saw it was so right on. And it was so fun. And everyone loved to sing the mantra and then go right into the English side of it, which is a mantra as well. Dig it. So, yeah, so that's the story of that. Jai, you are always a a pleasure, brother. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing time and sharing your wisdom. Such a gift. Thank you. Thank you so much, Greg, and thank you. You know, I think you're the first interview that I've done for the new album, so I really, really appreciate that you opened the doors of your studio, even over the telephone line, but for me to come in and just talk and say hi and also to introduce the new album. We got to get Joe Booty in here next time, though. And uh, <laughs> Okay, next time. I'm going to be in L.A. for the album release concert on March 11th. It's at Wanderlust, Hollywood. And, um, you know, and we'll put that on there as well because we've, we've gotten a lot of press about that. Jai, you are always just such an incredible human being and really... And I mean this in a multitude of ways. You're just such a rock star. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just a papa. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Greg. And as always, if you've got more questions and we haven't been able to get to you, please feel free to email us at greg at gregfriedman.com. And I am surrounded by such love, such amazing support. There are so many people that work behind the scenes in order to make this happen, this show go on the air. We have Roxanne Roseboom, we have Emma Harris, so many other people. And as I say every single week, most of all, I cannot begin to thank you, the listening audience, enough. This show does not exist without you. For that, and so, so much more, we are hugely grateful. You've been listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman. Good night.